0: Good morning. Good to see you all. Hope you've been enjoying your week. For the, last few, uh, for the last few weeks, we've been sort of focusing on our new mission and vision, and Pastor Kevin has been sharing, and Pastor Derek shared last week about uh, missions and uh, sort of what our church needs to do and what our church needs to be focused on in terms of fulfilling the mission of God. And as we as leaders and some of, our, some of you all as well have gotten together to sort of discuss and see how we can take this mission and vision in, in a practical sense and live it out uh, in our lives and in our church, one of the things that I saw that was so unifying amongst everyone that we were talking with, one thing that came out in all of our sort of presentations and discussions was prayer and the integral part That prayer holds in our church and in our ministry. And I think prayer is one of the most critical things in the Christian life. Uh, I call it one of the two legs of the Christian life. Prayer. We need that in order to uh, progress in our Christian life. So um, this morning I'd just like to talk a little bit about prayer. The power of prayer. The importance of prayer. And how that can be integrated in our lives. Uh, There's a story of Uh, a small community of farmers that was, they were going through a time of drought, and as they were going through this time of drought, the pastor decided, it was a small community, he decided to call everyone together for a prayer meeting, and so everyone on that one particular day, because it was getting really bad, and crops weren't growing, and so they all came to the church uh, on that one particular day for a prayer meeting, and as they came, and the pastor came up to the pulpit, and as he was looking across the audience, maybe just like I'm doing right now, as he was looking across the audience, he saw one little girl, one 11-year-old girl, and she had a bright red umbrella. She was the only one that brought an umbrella to the prayer meeting because she came to the house of God to pray fully expecting that she was going to leave that prayer meeting Requiring her umbrella. I wonder how many of us, when we pray and we seek the Lord, we have our umbrella with us. To say, yes, Lord, I believe that there will be an answer to my petition. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for this time in your house. And Lord, as we look a little bit at prayer this morning, Lord, our heart's desire is to draw closer to you to understand, Lord, your heart for prayer as well. And Lord, help us to be like that little girl with an expectation. Lord, carrying our umbrellas with us, Lord, knowing that there will be an answer to what we ask. So we just commit this time into your hands, in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer is such a simple word, but it's such a profound word as well. Um, Martin Luther uh, spoke about prayer, and he said, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. It's such an integral part of the Christian life. All of us are breathing here, and we know that if we were to stop breathing, we would not be able to survive. And in the same way, in our spiritual lives, prayer is such a critical component in our lives. Jonathan Edwards as well, he said, prayer is as natural an expression of faith as breathing is of life. And so if there's faith in our lives, if we believe in God, if there's an expression of faith, one aspect of that is prayer. To be able to seek God, to be able to cry out to God. And so prayer should be a part of all of our lives. And if it isn't, I just want to encourage you this morning to make prayer a critical part of our lives. You know, when we have, uh, we're going to look at... Uh, The last few weeks we are looking at different things that our church can do and and, uh, you hear the announcements and different programs and sometimes we think of prayer as something that we pray about a program that we're going to do and we pray afterwards or we thank God afterwards for it and we associate prayer with things that we do. But Oswald Chambers, the great writer, he said that we think of prayer as a preparation for work or as a calm after having done work. Whereas prayer is the essential work. So yes, we do pray before a a meeting. We do pray before an event. We do pray before an outreach. We pray afterwards as well. We thank God. We give our expressions of gratitude towards God. But we have to really understand that prayer is not just that. But prayer as well is the essential work. And all of us, corporately, by families, and individually, have to take that work upon us to pray and seek the Lord for the blessing of our lives and our families, but also for the blessing of the church, but also for the blessing of the world, for there's so many needs that we can cry out to God for. Now, I just want to recap or cover a little bit of what we do here in the church. And here at Unionville Alliance, what kind of ministries or prayer ministries do we have? Number one, we have a prayer line. And in this prayer line, the email address is there. If you have a petition, if you have a request, you can email that. Uh, You can send an email to that address and there'll be people that will pray for you. Or if you want to be part of that team that actually prays, you can also join our, our, our prayer team that seeks the Lord, that receives these prayer updates so that we can pray one for another. We can support one another in prayer. Now, you might not know this, but on Sunday morning, like today, we had a time of prayer in the prayer room. Yes, we have a prayer room, right? It's in the back there, right? And there's a prayer room that we can gather. That we gather together on Sunday mornings, and we pray for the service. We pray that God would undertake that that the people that come would be blessed. So maybe you want to be part of that. 9:30 in the morning in the prayer room. You can see Cheryl, who prayed this morning, right? And and join a team of people that cries out to God and prays before each service. We also have a prayer team that prays after the service. Now, let me say, I know people are intimidated by coming up to the front. Right? What will they think of me? If I come to the front, everyone's gonna think I have some big problem, right? And and so we have people that pray here after each service, but sometimes people are intimidated. People are scared, I don't want to go up and pray. But if we understand the power of prayer, if we understand what prayer actually does in our lives, I believe we won't be intimidated that we will come forward and ask for prayer. Don't worry, these people are here, they're not gonna, you know, put a Facebook status up and say, Hey, look what I prayed for. Today, Don't worry about that. That's not going to happen. They keep things confidential, right? But I want to encourage you, when you come to the house of God, maybe you came today and you're burdened. Maybe there's something upon your heart that you're asking God for, a sickness, a problem at your workplace, a problem in the family, whatever it might be. After the service, you can come here, and you can receive prayer from one of our prayer team members, and they'll pray for you. The Bible also says that, for those that are sick, they can call for the elders of the church and they will anoint with oil and pray over them. And the prayer of the righteous will be very effectual. And so I want to encourage you, maybe you're going through a sickness or something and you'd like one of the elders in our church. We have our elders board and they're uh, here and around and they're walking around greeting people and talking to people and they would be happy to pray with you as well. Just let us know and we can arrange it after the service and they can anoint you with oil and pray as the Bible says in the book of James It's another aspect of prayer that we do here. We also have prayer in our life groups. Now, if you're not part of a life group, you're really missing out on this. But in our life groups, we pray one for another. We share our burdens one with another. This is one beautiful aspect about life groups is that we live in community. We support one another. We we work together with one another. When one person is down, we encourage one another. And there's times of prayer even within the life group, times of intimate prayer, that we can share our burdens one with another. Now we're also having coming up, it just happens that this thing is coming up right now, is that's our praise and prayer night on Sunday, November 19th at 6 o'clock. And we'd love to see all of you here for that, to join together in a corporate way. Now we've seen in life groups in, in a more intimate setting, but in a corporate way for our church as a whole to come together to praise God and to pray and that's so very important. And, and, uh, when we have activities, when we have events, we're always praying before and afterwards and during where, where prayer is engrossing everything that we do. It's all encompassing. It's part of the very DNA of what we do here at church. We pray. It's, it's, it's part of the DNA of a Christian, as we, as we read at the beginning. It's, it's part of who we are, what we do, how we live, how we operate. We pray. We seek God. We cry out to Him. And so we'd love to see you all here for that event as well. And there's one more thing that I'd like to just mention this morning about prayer here at church. Now, I know generally when we call for a prayer meeting, do you know who shows up? The women. Sad to say towards the men. Generally speaking, now not, I'm not trying to bash all the men here. Don't get me wrong. We have men that pray. But generally speaking, when you look at the ratios, there's usually a larger number of women that pray... Than men. And so when I was praying this week, and actually for some weeks, and I was thinking, Lord, what should we do in our church for men? And so I thought, let's start a men's early morning prayer. Yeah, that's the reaction I thought I'd get. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm gonna let that simmer a little bit, let you think about that a little bit. But after the service today. Out in the lobby, there's a sign up there. I'm not saying you're committed. I just want to know what time is good for you. So I'm thinking one of the weekdays, early in the morning, 5:30, 6, 6:30, 7. Let me know what time works for you, and then I'll pick a time, and then we'll make another announcement later on. And see, and maybe it's a time that you can swing by here, spend a little bit of time in prayer, and then go off to work, right? And seek the Lord in prayer, right? And uh, Martin Luther, I skipped over that quote. Martin Luther said, "I have so much to do." that I spend the first three hours in prayer. He had so much work that he had to do that it was so critical for him to do what? Spend three hours in prayer every morning. Because he had to do that first before doing something else. And so I just want to encourage all the men here, right? And and the reason this happened was in in our district, we were doing something called the, the Nehemiah prayer wall, which the district was building a, a team of people that would pray around all of our churches. And so I thought, who can I recruit for this? And so I sent out some emails and everything, and some people replied, yes, and some people replied, sorry, we won't be able to at this time. And uh, finally, when I had all these names together and I submitted it to the district, I found out that all of those names were women. And so I said, Lord, we need to do something for our men, right? Right? We need to do something for our men, because when men pray in the church, when all of us pray in the church, that's when revival starts. When we, are, when we are known as a praying church, then change starts to happen in our lives. So, men, remember, after the service, go out there and sign up or send me an email, let me know, okay? I'm expecting floods of emails, and, you know, I, I'm expecting that sign-up sheet to be completely full, all right? So, please do that, Okay? But, of course, one of our, 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 greatest, our greatest example in all of this is Jesus, because he was a man of prayer. And we see about Jesus that he rose up early in the morning to pray, right? Prayer was such an important part of Jesus' life, he made it a priority as well to get up early in the morning and seek the face of the Lord. He often went to lonely places to pray, Because of the busyness of his life and people were always coming to him wanting healings and miracles and all these sort of things. And so Jesus went out to lonely places so he could have some time of of solitude to pray. He would sometimes even pray all night. He would stay up the whole night and he would pray and seek the Lord for direction and guidance and for the presence of God. There were times as well that Jesus agonized in prayer. And he was crying out to his father. There was a time when even his, his sweat became like drops of blood. There was an, an agonizing time of prayer. But at the same time, there was a time of beautiful fellowship that he had with his father. John 17 speaks about that beautiful prayer that Jesus made. And we can see the intimacy between him and his father. And we also know that Jesus was an intercessor because he's always interceding on our behalf. There, there is a, a beautiful example that Jesus gives to us. And we read this morning the, the Lord's Prayer and how he was teaching his disciples to pray. Prayer is, is really about building a relationship between you and God. It's not just one-way communication, but it's about intimacy with God. It's about growing in your life with God so that you can make your petitions known to God, but at the same time you can hear God's voice you can hear his heartbeat you can hear what he wants for you it's to get to know God in a greater and more personal way you know the closest relationships that we have in our life are with people that we spend the most time with and so if we want our relationship with Jesus to be very close then we have to spend time with him and spend time in prayer seeking the Lord Ultimately, prayer is about building a relationship with God. It's not easy to do, right? But the, the Word of God encourages us in so many different places. Pray without ceasing. Pray at all times. Pray every day. Pray alone. Pray with others. Pray with thanksgiving. Pray with petitions. So many different ways that we see in the Word of God that the, that the Lord encourages us to get closer to Him, to have a better intimate relationship with God through prayer. And we can see through the word of God that the scriptures talk about this. Uh, We we did a series in the summertime about uh, from the book of Psalms, and in that we see so many prayers. We see prayers of praise, prayers of intercession, prayers of thanks, uh, prayers of petitions, prayers when the psalmist was crying out to God for help, prayers to express grief and prayers to express discouragement. Prayers to to call out for wisdom and knowledge and understanding in various situations. Prayer is such a diverse thing. I, I can't do justice to the topic of prayer on one Sunday just today. It's such a diverse topic. But I just want to encourage you today to take time to pray. And maybe you're new here and you're wondering, I don't know what prayer is about. I don't understand all of these things. Prayer is just as simple as having a conversation with somebody. And expressing your heart to that person. Maybe you're here today because somebody prayed for you. And you know the impact and the effect of prayer. I'm here today because my parents prayed for me. And my mom is still praying for me. And I know early in the morning she would come into my room, me and my brother, we shared a room, and she would come early in the morning at four o'clock in the morning and she would come and she'd be praying by our bedside. And I would get up and say, Oh, it's just you. All right. Go back to sleep. But prayer changes things. And maybe you're here today because prayer has affected your life. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. How do we know that? Well, we have a service, people will come. We'll go for a hockey game, people will come. We go out to do an outreach, people will come. We do an alpha program, people will come. We have a prayer meeting. Oh, I don't know how many people come for that. Why? Because everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Prayer is such a difficult thing, but at the same time, such an easy thing. When we develop that relationship with God. Maybe there's some people that you know that you just dread talking to them. It's like, oh, i got to call this person. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, I just want this conversation to end. But then there's other people that you look forward to talking with. You're just eager to wait for the next opportunity that you can speak with them. That's what prayer should be. I want to share a testimony with you. It's from the Open Doors organization. And uh, they minister to the persecuted church and uh, they were sharing a testimony of a, of a pastor in Vietnam named Pastor Ha and his church. And uh, his church grew from 29 people to over 5,000 people in just a few years during the communist regime in the late 1970s. And he was asked the secret of his phenomenal church growth. And Pastor Ha replied, I have a very simple theology. When you have problems, guess what? Well, we're talking about prayer, right? When you have problems, pray. When you have more problems, pray more. Every morning, this church had a well-attended prayer meeting at 6 a.m. Every morning, 6 a.m., and the church grew and grew. Although they were constantly living under pressure, there was one scripture text chosen for the wall on their sanctuary, and it was, in everything, give thanks. And yet after years of imprisonment, Pastor Haas said, When I had my freedom, I worked with prayer, sometimes in the background. In prison, I discovered that prayer is everything. It's like the pilot using a checklist before he takes off. If he skips the first item, many lives might be in danger. The first item on our checklist should always be prayer. If we skip it, the whole mission is in jeopardy. So we spent five weeks talking about our mission and vision and all these important things that are great. But if we skip prayer, the whole mission is in jeopardy. Jesus gave us the Great Commission to go out and preach the gospel and share the good news of Jesus Christ. But if we skip over prayer, oh, that takes too much time. Oh, I can't be bothered with it. Oh, it's too much. When we're putting the whole mission in jeopardy. Another Vietnamese pastor, Pastor Quan, also spent over six years in prison. And this is what he said about prayer. In my work, I was so busy, I had no time to pray. But in prison, I was thankful to God that he gave me time for prayer. I had about six hours of prayer every day. I had time to recall every member of my congregation to pray for them. Before that, although I served the church, I didn't have enough time to pray for them. I learned about the real presence of God in prayer there. When you kneel down and pray wholeheartedly with the Lord, you feel his answer right there. Dear people of God, prayer is such an important thing. I cannot emphasize to you how much prayer is a critical element in our lives. And maybe as, as we're talking about prayer this morning, you're feeling, oh, I'm really failing in my prayer life. Don't lose heart. God is with us and the Lord is going to help us. But let's make a decision today and tell the Lord, Lord, I need to make a real change in my life. I need to move prayer from down here on my checklist all the way to number 1 on my checklist. I need to make I need to make time for prayer. I need to put that first in my life. And I just want to share with you from a parable. Today it's called the parable of the unjust judge and the persistent widow. You might have uh, read this parable before. It's from Luke chapter 18 and the essence of the parable is to teach us to pray always and not to faint, to persist in prayer. But what I want to also do this morning is to show a little compare and contrast between the unjust judge and God, a contrast between the, the lesser and the greater to show that if the widow finally got her prayer answered, how much more will God answer our prayers? And by looking at some of these contrasts, what I want, want us to really see is not so much the persistence in prayer, but more to see the nature of God when we pray, to see the character of God when we cry out to him, to see how God wants to respond to our prayers. Just to understand his nature and character. Luke chapter 18, we'll just read the parable. Starts off and it says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care for what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's an interesting parable. It's this unjust judge saying, I don't care about anyone. I don't care, you know, about anyone over me, anyone under me. I don't care about this widow. But this widow kept going day after day after day and asking for justice. And so I just want to look at this, this, this compare and contrast, okay, between the unjust judge and between God. Not so much to highlight the persistence in prayer, which is, yes, it's necessary, and that's what this parable is talking about. But more so, I just want you to see the heart of God. What I want you to see is the character of God. What I want you to see is the nature of God. And by understanding that character and nature, the love of God, the patience of God, the compassion of God, by understanding who God is, it will give us boldness to come before him. It'll give us that freedom and liberty to say, yes, thank you that I can come to you and pray. So number one, the widow was a stranger to the judge, but we are God's chosen people. The widow was a stranger. She had no relationship at all with the judge. But we are God's chosen people. How much more will God answer our prayer? That's what the parable says. So if, if the unjust judge did this for the widow, how much more will God do it for us? First Peter 2 verse 9 and 10 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. See the relationship That God has with us see the value that God puts on our life see how precious we are to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light once you were not a people but now you are the people of God Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If this widow who had no relationship with this unjust judge, if her prayer was answered, if her petition was answered, how much more will God do for us, His chosen people? Do you know that you are special to God? Do you know that you are a treasured possession to God? Do you know that you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession? And so he delights when we come to him in prayer. He delights to hear us. Number two, the widow was only one person. But we, the body of Christ, are many when we unite in prayer. And that's why it's so important to have a time of prayer, whether it's in your family and you pray together as a family, or whether it's in your life group and you you unite together in prayer, whether it's a time of corporate prayer here in the church and we unite our hearts and petition the Lord, The widow was just one person. Do you know that we are so much more powerful as we unite our hearts and pray to God? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, Again, truly I tell you that if two... I don't know how many of us are here today, but we're way more than two. But here it says, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now let me tell you, let me just... Add this as well. Sometimes the way that God answers prayer is not the way that we want it answered. There are some way, sometimes we ask the Lord for something and God who has our best interest in store because we are his chosen people, he might answer in a different way. Or he might delay to answer. And that's why in this parable it talks about continually coming to the Lord. Continually coming before God's throne of grace. So here, if the, if, if the, if the widow was just one person, we are so much more. How much more will God answer our prayer? How much more will God do for us as we unite our hearts and pray together? Number three, the widow would have come in fear and uncertainty because she didn't know the judge. But the Bible says that we can come boldly into the presence of God. See, the widow, every time she came to the judge, she was scared because the judge could do anything to her. Maybe the judge could throw her in prison and say, get rid of this woman, or the judge can accuse her of this or that. And There was some fear and uncertainty. But us, as the people of God, the Bible says that we can come boldly to his throne of grace. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help. In time of need. We don't have to be worried or scared. Oh, I don't know if God will hear my prayer. I don't know if I'm allowed to pray this way. I don't know if I can say this to God. No. Friends, we can come to God's throne of grace. We can tell the Lord, Lord, I'm in this difficulty. I'm in this problem. I'm in this circumstance. I need your help. Come boldly to his throne of grace. Come with confidence to his throne of grace. If the widow's petition was answered... And she was going with fear and trembling. How much more will God answer our prayer when he himself tells us, come boldly, come with confidence, come with full assurance into his very presence and present our petitions to the Lord. Number four, the judge was an unjust man, but we have a righteous God. The judge was an unjust man, but still he granted the petition of that woman we have a righteous God, how much more will God do for us? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The righteous one. He will do what is right. If that widow received her petition from an unjust judge, how much more will our righteous God meet our need? Does that encourage you? Does that give you some sort of encouragement or confidence? Yes, I want to go before God. I want to make my petition known to the Lord. I want to spend time in prayer because He is a righteous God. He will hear my cry. Number five, the widow was on her own with no one to help. But the Word of God says that God is... For us, God is on our side. In this parable, the widow was all by herself. But we know that God is for us. God is on our side. He wants the best for us. In the parable we read, the judge couldn't care less about this woman. It's like, I don't care about this woman. I have nothing to to do with this woman. But for us, God cares for us. God is on our side. Romans chapter 8. Verse 31 and 32 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? What was the greatest thing that God could do for us? What was the greatest thing that God could give to us? That was Jesus And he did that already. And that's what this verse says. If God gave us Jesus, which was the climax, it was the ultimate, it was the most he could give. If God gave us Jesus, how much more will God do for us? Because anything anything else that God gives to us is less than that. He's already given the most in Jesus. So anything else that he gives us, anything else that he answers for us, anything else that he blesses us with is less than that. Because the greatest blessing we all have is Jesus as our Savior. And so we can come with confidence to God. Number six, the widow was pleading her own case, but we have an advocate interceding for us. Isn't that so much better? You know, sometimes in our, in our situations, we don't know how we should pray, the Bible says, but the spirit itself intercedes for us. Sometimes we don't know, you know, a person in a courtroom, they don't really know how they should defend themselves, what they should say, and so that's why they have a trained lawyer that's there, an advocate that's there and speaking on their behalf, and and so that, because otherwise the person is scared, and the person doesn't know what to do, and all these emotions they're facing, and so in our time of need, when we're going through a sickness, a problem, a a family difficulty or whatever we might be going through and we don't know really how we should pray, we don't know how we should talk to God and we're just maybe so much emotions are there and so much anxiety and pain and all sorts of things that we're feeling and going through. One thing we know, Jesus is interceding for us. Romans 8 verse 34, who then Is the one who condemns no one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Now tell me, if Jesus is interceding for us, who else better could do that job? Nobody. This is the confidence that we have. Friends, if the widow had her answer, her prayer answered, how much more? will God do for us? Can you see the nature and character of God through these examples? Can you see how God loves to be on our side? How God loves to defend us? How God loves when we come to him? This is what I I hope that you'll understand from these these, uh, contrasts. I'm not done yet. But I hope that you'd understand from these contrasts the nature of God, the character of God. How he just with open arms embraces and says, my child, pray, come, let's fellowship. Because remember I said, prayer is not so much of just one-way communication. I was just talking about, Lord, I need this, this. It's not like a, it's not like a shopping list. I need this, give me some of this, get me this from aisle two, and get me this from aisle three, and get me this tomorrow. No, it's communion with God. It's building a relationship with him. The, mo- the closest people you have in your life are the people you spend the most amount of time with. And so let's spend time with Jesus. Number seven. I'm not telling you how many there are. Number seven. <laughs> so, so hold on. The widow had no promise that her case would be resolved. But we already have a promise of an answer. The widow was coming every day. I hope today he will answer. I hope today he will give me my petition. I hope today I will get something. But we already know that there is a guarantee of an answer. Now, it might not come the way we want it. it. might not come in the timing that we want it. But the Bible clearly says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We already have a promise That if we come to God, he is there to answer. The widow had no promise at all about that. But if she still went and continued to petition, how much more will God do for us, his very people? Number eight, the widow's access to the judge was limited. But we have unlimited access to the father. You know, the widow could only go at certain times to the judge She couldn't camp out there. She couldn't sleep over there. She couldn't do any of those things. But she would go continually, day by day. But for us, the people of God, we have seven days a week, 24 hours a day, access to the Father. If her petition was answered because she was persistent day after day after day, how much more will God do for us? Because we have 24 hours, seven day access to God. There's so many uh, uh, verses in the book of Psalms that talks about daytime prayer, morning prayer, evening prayer, all night prayer, all of these things. And it talks about seeking God throughout the day. But there's a beautiful verse in Psalm 27 in verse 4. The psalmist says, one thing I ask from the Lord. This only do I seek that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. This fellowship, this communion. This time alone with God, that was the psalmist's prayer. I want to spend time with God. I want to be in his house. I want to be in his presence. I want to know him. I want to walk with him. I want to be with him. Is that the cry of our heart? Is that the longing of our heart? It might not be right now, but I pray that as we seek God, that we will grow in that. Number nine, asking provoked the judge. But God delights when we ask and pray to him. The judge was getting upset. Oh, this woman again. Oh, this woman again. Oh, this woman again. And then finally said, oh, because of this woman keeps coming to me, I'm just going to give her her petition because it's too much for me. And he was provoked to answer. Our God is totally different. He loves it when we come to him. Oh, it's you again. Oh, wonderful. Oh, it's you again. Amazing. Didn't I hear you this morning? That's okay, come back again right now. God loves it when we can fellowship with Him. God loves it when we come and pray to Him. God delights when we come to Him in prayer. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, And without faith it's impossible to please God. But when we come to Him in prayer, we're coming in faith. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Oh, you're coming to me in prayer? Here's a chocolate. He <laughs> was a rewarder. You're coming to me in prayer? Here's your answer to your petition. Oh, you came to me yesterday. I was so happy you came to me yesterday. You're coming to me again today. Amazing. God delights in that. The judge, he was like, oh, this woman again? Let me get rid of her. Not so with our God. If that woman got her prayer answered, her petition Answered. How much more will our Heavenly Father do for us? Because He delights when we come to Him. He delights when we cry out to Him. He delights in prayer. Number 10. Last one. The judge did not care about the state of the widow. But God wants us to have faith. And that's His care for us. It's interesting. Because there's times when maybe our prayers might go unanswered for a time, because God has something else. And this, this parable concludes with this statement, but when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? So the judge didn't care for the widow, but God wants us to have faith because that's his care for us. That even if at times our prayers are not answered the way we want, the faith that is imparted and built up in our lives lives is what helps us to press forward in this Christian life. And so when he returns, he wants to see faith. When he returns, he wants to see faith built up in our lives. And that's why in Luke 18, verse 8, the last verse in that parable, I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Even more important, let me say, than our prayers being answered or God doing something for us, is that he finds us full of faith. He finds that our relationship with him is built up and grown closer and closer. Even if at times we might not see the answer that we want because he has our best interest in mind, there's still an intimacy there with God. God wants us to be full of faith. I'm just going to close with a story about this man named John Hyde. He felt a strong, uh, John Hyde, he felt a a strong calling upon his life to be a missionary. And he spent many hours learning and uh, in preparation to be a missionary actually to India. And in 1892, he went to India as a missionary. And um, he had a burden for prayer. Later on, he was known as Praying Hyde. That was his name because he was a man of prayer. And he would feel the burden to pray. I'll read you a quote by him. He said, I have felt led to pray for others this winter as never before. I never before knew what it was to work all day and then pray all night before God for another. In college or at parties at home, I used to keep such hours for myself or pleasure. And can I not do as much for God and souls? So he realized that there were times when he wasted the nights away. But he said, now I'm using that time to pray. He, he formed this prayer group in 1904 called the, the Prayer Group Union. And he gathered people to pray. And they started to have a convention. And he had such a burden to share the good news of Jesus. He had such a burden that, that people would know that Jesus is Lord. Maybe you're here today and you've never experienced the love of Jesus. And talking about prayer is foreign to you. I want to encourage you to give Jesus a try. There'll be people here to pray with you after the service. And maybe you want to just take that step of faith and say, Lord, I want to know what it is to know you, to have a relationship with you. And so he started this, this, this convention and this time of prayer, and he prayed that people would come to know the Lord as their Savior. And he said he wanted one person to come to know Jesus every single day that year. And he prayed for that. At the end of the year, there were more than 400 people that had given their lives to the Lord and were baptized. And so you know what he did the next year? He said, Lord, I want two people to come to know you every single day this year. And he prayed for that. He cried out to God for that. He prayed in the night times for that. And you know what happened? At the end of that year, there were more than 800 people that had given their lives to Jesus. And so, you know what he did the next year? He doubled it. He said, Lord, I want four people every day to give their lives to Jesus. And he prayed for that. And he was known as Praying Hide. I wonder how many of us can take that challenge. I wonder how many of us can say, Lord, I want to stand in the gap and pray. Lord, I want to be that person that knows you, that feels your heartbeat. That feels your passion. That feels you for who you are. And let me pray. I'll just close with this verse. Romans 12 verse 12. Singers can come. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. But be faithful in prayer. Be joyful in hope. We have a hope. Jesus is coming. We have a hope. God is on our side. We have a hope. We have a righteous judge. We have a hope. Jesus is interceding on our behalf. We have such great hope. Be patient in affliction. You might be going through a hard time. You might be that widow, and you're waiting, and you're waiting, but you're persisting in prayer. You're persisting. You might be still waiting, but be patient in affliction. But be also faithful in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. God bless you.